the American people will soon find out if the United States is going to war. Fires are raging across Brazil's Amazon rainforest. At the stroke of midnight, the U.S. hit China with tariffs on $34 billion worth of goods. Hurricane Dorian made landfall with wind speeds of 185 miles per hour. Multiple drones bombed Saudi Arabia's largest oil facilities today. 60,000 people have fled their homes in northeastern Syria. It's like these 500-year floods or 100-year floods. They're happening every other year. Anti-government protesters in Hong Kong have taken to the streets. The magnitude 7.1 quake was felt from Los Angeles all the way to Nevada. It is one of the worst escalations of violence on the Israel-Gaza border in years. The world seems so unstable, so insecure. Everything is changing way too fast. But there are some things that are steadfast, things that never change. God and His Word. Randy Reams is pastor of Kindred Bible Church in Nampa, Idaho. Join Pastor Randy now as he shares truths from God's unchanging word. Salvation isn't just this thing that Jesus does. It's the Trinity does it. Okay, so Father elects, the Son accomplishes, the Spirit applies it to us. Okay? Remember, the Father elects, the Son redeems, the Spirit applies. That's the easiest way to write it in your notes. The Father elects, the Son redeems, the Spirit applies. Okay? I think that's what he's saying. Look, I am here to do what God appointed before time to be done. That's why I'm here, to do His will. And that energized him. So before time began, he had that Samaritan's name written in his book that woman's name, in the book, written. Therefore, he must go to Samaria. Why? Because he came to do that, to get that name that was written in the book in eternity past to bring that salvation about as the Holy Spirit applies it to her. I think there are several practical applications, lessons, whatever you want to say it, to draw from this. One, Conversion is a process, not a one-moment-in-time event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know when you're here for the harvest, but you're joining in somebody else's work. The process was started before you came along, disciples. These people that are coming on the road that many are going to believe, that was started well before you. You were off getting lunch. It is a process. Let me put it another way. Evangelism is not a program. See, 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 we have an event, invite people up front. Evangelism. No. It's much longer than that. It starts way before that. Even in five husbands. Even when Jesus, why does he pick that subject to address? Why not the lie she told yesterday? Because I'm sure she sinned in many ways like all of us do. He goes to this, these men that she was looking for the answers with, even that was a move towards your conversion to your trust in Jesus Christ. He uses it to reach into her heart. Number two, sowers and reapers are necessary to get a good harvest. You can't just be reapers and get a good harvest. There's nothing there to reap. Paul addresses this and his attitude towards it in 1 Corinthians. 
chapter 3, verses 6 through 8. I planted, so Paul's a sower. Apollos watered. God causes the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward, same word, according to his own labor. Whoa, we were in this together, but what? One guy's rewarded based on what God's given him to do. So another guy's get his reward based on what God's called him to do. In this case, Apollos, water. Because Paul, these people were creating divisions about who they followed. I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. And the really religious ones, well, I follow Christ. Okay, he addresses that. He says, you don't understand, this whole process is a God thing. We're all in this together. Yes, we get a reward based on what God's called us to do, where we're obedient to that, or in Jesus' word, do what God put me here for. Okay, but, but it's all the same. Sowers, the evangelistic type, you know, that preach on the corner, must not think that their work is secondary to reaping. Reapers must remember that there isn't reaping without the sower. Okay, I, I do find when, when people share stories, and we run into this as we travel in particular, uh, stories about particularly Muslims okay, who have a vision of Jesus. They don't really know all the implications of, it of Jesus. Now I'm going to ask you a question. How do they know it's Jesus? Because Jesus is in the Quran. Isa is in the Quran, by the way, in case you didn't know that. All right, now, they don't believe that he was crucified, that he died, that kind of thing, but he's in the Quran. They know of Jesus. They have some vision where they see something that, that's gospel-oriented. But you know what happens is, how do I know the story? <laughs> because going all the way somewhere, they ran into a Christian who says, hey, I can water that seed. Explains to them the gospel out of that vision. And they come to Christ and they come around and they share the gospel. If you've seen, maybe perhaps you've seen interviews or articles or so on by Muslims that had that kind of encounter. And people think it's the vision. No, it's not. The vision in it. It's the gospel preaching by the waterer, if I could use it, that term here. Okay. But now God begins the process before anybody ever shows up with the watering can. Okay. But you can't think because... Because you're, and I've seen this, and we all do this, uh, I'm a word guy, I'm a word thumper, okay? So, but I can't therefore put worship as a secondary thing to the word. Not, not if we're singing the word, right? <laughs> okay. I, I, can't, I can't place my heart for maybe the homeless or your heart for the hungry or whatever it is and say, that's the most important mission. We got to stop these other things and do more of this. Well, no, 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 no. We, we all have... Somebody, by the way, picks weeds. I mean, if I can use our agriculture analogy, all right, uh, somebody comes along and picks weed. That would be the apologist. Well, yeah, he's taking out the true from the fake, digging it out, letting, helping you identify the, the harvester comes along. That way, there's harvester, not dandelions. And I'll come back to that a little bit. But you can't think somebody else's role because I did the altar call. You people need to do more altar calls if you believe in altar calls. Okay? Well, well, I led them in the sinner's prayer, if you believe in sinner's prayer. Okay? 
whatever. No, 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 no. Long before you ever set that person down at your kitchen table, okay, God already began the process and there's plenty of people planted a seed along the way. The one who gives out of the things God has given them is also a receiver. Now, that's just the kingdom principle. You can't get until you give. Okay? But Jesus was physically energized when he runs into a woman. He is physically tired, hungry, and thirsty. But in the midst of that, he moves that aside to minister to someone's spiritual thirst. That actually, what does he gain out of that? Besides that eternal life harvest thing, he actually got physical re-energized by that. It is, and you know, it's intriguing when we travel, and I'm sorry for referring to that so much, but, but when I travel and I, we hit the ground over there, and I say we because I always take somebody with me, you know, and, and I have screws that hold my back together. Man, I'm running. I know what God has sent me there for, and ask Timothy. I go, and I go, and if I came home and did that and mowing the lawn and trimming, the, I'd be dead. I wouldn't be able to move. But God literally energizes my physical body for the thing he has me do. When we disperse to others the spiritual stuff we've been given, we actually get a blessing. Now, that's not our motive. Okay, our motive is to give glory to God. But that just happens. There's, there's a peace, there's a joy on the part of all. The sower, the reaper, the waterer, the weed picker. There, there's something that comes out of that when we give of what God's called us to do. The other thing I, I find interesting here is I think we need to be test every encounter. And, and I almost put it like this, that every encounter is a divine appointment. That's true in some sense, not true in another, because not everybody you run into responds like this lady. Some will put up the dukes, okay? So, but, but I think it's important that we test that, and... and my family can tell you, and those who go out with me in the community, Tim, when he has to be my driver, or somebody else, and Alan drives me around. I will purposely say something, well, praise God. Well, of course the world's like that. We're all sinners without Christ. I take a passing statement to see what kind of feedback I get. Well, you, weirdo. Okay, or, uh-huh. Sometimes you get an amen out of it. Okay, I test the water because I don't know the, the condition of the soil. I, I don't know how much manure was laid down. Fertilizer. I, I don't know if the seed's been there for long. I, but I'll test it and find out. And I think the other thing, therefore, uh, if God is sovereign, I'd have to say every encounter is a divine appointment. That little phrase, well, you know, of course the world's in. We're all sinners. You know, outside of Christ, we're in trouble. That's a statement I move on. That's a seed. That is a divine encounter. Divine encounter is this. The, the waitress goes to bring you your food. Oh, they're praying. So she waits, or he waits. Okay? I'm sorry, that's a seed. I was down at a local restaurant here. Uh, it was the end of last football season with coaches. And there happens to be some other Christian folks there that I know. And, and at one point, three different tables were praying for people. Not coordinated. They started praying for somebody. These people started praying for the waitress. And over here, we started praying for the coaches. Put hands on them and pray for them. That's planting seed for somebody. 
And what was amazing is, is the restaurant didn't mind. So I'll, I'll tell you if you want to know what one that was, where they didn't mind that. Okay. Um, but the other thing I think is Jesus was proactive. He didn't wait, hey, when she asked, I'll tell her. You know, I'll just be their friend. I'll be nice to them at work and the cubicle over. And when they ask, then I'll tell them. No, no, no. Jesus went a fishing. And fisher of woman in this case. In evangelism, that is sharing the gospel, we have to take the initiative because the Holy Spirit, God's the one that does the growing. So you might have just dumped some water on there and you don't see anything. Don't worry about that. Apparently, you're not supposed to be the harvester in this case. Someone else will join you in your work later. Okay? But I think we need to take the initiative. Be a little more bold, if I can say it like that. Not rude. Bold. All right? I, I, that, that's Jesus' example here. Now, the other point, though, he did accept her the way he was. He didn't tell her she had to change, did he? Okay? But he loved her enough to engage into the real issue. Oh, let's talk about those husbands. Yes, 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 you know. Yeah, Joe, oh, he was awful. Yes, yes, yes. But the second one, you didn't make better choice, and they went on Oprah and talked about it. No, no, Jesus goes past that in a hurry. He, that's just a doorway into the real thing. He loved her enough not to stay on the troubles, but to move to the answer to her inner problems. Not, well, you know, the guy you're not living with, you should move out from him. I mean, you, you wicked sinner, get out of there. Uh-uh. He knows that, that that doesn't change a thing. It has to be from the inside, and he loves her enough to go there. So in your encounters, when you're being proactive, don't be fake. Ask God to give you a love for the lost. Those who do, so you run into them, okay? You run into them, and you... And you you do that little statement looking for something. I don't know if I believe in that religious stuff. Oh, man, man, I, I care too much to leave you there. I actually said that at a funeral for a uh, non-believer last month, and most of the family were there weren't believers. And I says, I don't want you to think, because I did the gospel, and I says, I want you to think I'm just here to preach at you my views. My thing is I love you enough that I don't want to see this and this is when I actually picked out one of the people by name, the audience, to see, I, and I know he's not a believer, but he suffers from physical. And he says, you know, someday, the guy's name, I want to dance with you on streets of gold in the presence of the Almighty God. And you should have seen his eyes. You got to ask God, give me that love that when I run into a woman at the well whose life's a mess, I don't try to fix her mess. I try to give her Christ. I think, though, there's something here that we forget this harvest. I'm, you're going to recognize this when I read it out of Matthew chapter 9 and Luke chapter 10. They're in both places, but Matthew 9, 37 through 38. The harvest is great or plentiful in the King James, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send more harvest. No, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send forth more laborers. The church's struggle is not that there's not enough sinners in the world. There's not enough wickedness in the world. That's not the problem. Okay? The church's struggle is there's not enough laborers. People that are proactive in sharing the gospel. Now, there's plenty of people who want to volunteer for a program. 
We got this program, let's join up. We need volunteers. People sign up. It's always the struggle of the churches. They're looking for more volunteers to do more programs. I'm not talking about that kind. I'm talking about what we're short of is people who will stand in their workplace, to stand in their classroom, to stand in their neighborhood and say, ho, 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 I got an answer to that one. Next point, which is point number seven. The seed we plant is the word of God. Not opinions. Not my guidance and how to have your best life now. It, it is the word of God. How do I know that? Because Jesus says so in Luke chapter 8. That whole parable of the seed that lands on the stony ground, lands up. The seed is the word. That's what brings life and brings salvation is the word of God. Christ is the word. It's the spirit moving through the word of God. But you can't plant a seed you don't have. Let me see it again. The seed is the word of God, but you can't plant a seed you don't have. See, you, you, don't, you don't study the word says because I, I know more then. Look, at I, I can spew out verses I've memorized or whatever. No, 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 no. I do it because it, it fills my sack full of seed. I say sack because in the old days you cast seed like that. You didn't put it in a big machine. All right? You got to have the seed to start with. And, and sort of the final point, because my final point has six other points, so <laughs> sub-points, <laughs> all right? The gospel is about Jesus. It is the proclamation of the person and work of Jesus Christ. That's what the gospel is. You want to know what the gospel is not? Your personal testimony. That's not the gospel. That's the effects of the gospel. Hey, this guy told me a bunch of stuff. Oh, even that's about him, though. Okay. Now, I would, wouldn't argue that my testimony might be a witness about the goodness of God and the, the effect the gospel has on my life. But you know what? I can find a Buddhist in Cambodia will tell you their life's been radically changed. I can find you an LDS fork down the street to tell you their life's been changed. I, I, can, I can find an atheist who said, I found a program and my life's been changed. Test, your testimony is not the gospel. Doing apologetics is not the gospel. Weed picking. That is showing what LDS believes compared to what Orthodox Christianity believes. So you learn to recognize the truth from the not truth when it comes to the gospel. That's not the gospel. That's apologetics. Okay. Now, it defends Christian doctrines, but unless that apologist goes through the gospel, it ain't it. And you guys know I love apologetics. Okay, The gospel is not inviting people to church or some Billy Graham crusade. Evangelistic event, I use Billy Graham. He's passed away now, so I don't offend anybody. That's not the gospel. Well, I invited him to church. I hate to tell you, that's not the gospel. Somebody else could invite him to the bar and they went. Okay? The gospel is not... Cultural social transformation. You know, we could fix our, our culture if we put the Bible back in schools. That's not the gospel. Good idea, not the gospel. But I would like to say on that, the gospel is not social justice and political involvement. That's not the gospel. Okay. The gospel is not, well, you know, if you do this, your life is better. Better. 
you'll be happier. You have less problems. You know what? That's not always true. Talk to the, the Christians in a certain part of the world right now being bombed. Oh, I'm glad they're having a better life now. That's not the gospel. The gospel is the good news that we, who were enemies, or are, depends on your situation, enemies of God, have been reconciled by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We put faith in his life, his work, what he did, and we are in, adopted in or adopted into the family of God. If I bypass, I'm an enemy of God. If I bypass the incarnation, Christmas, the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, I've left something out and it ain't the gospel. Okay, that's the gospel. You've got to be able to share that. So let's go back to the seed. You need at least one scripture that says, we're an enemy of God. There's plenty of them. Okay. You, you, you have to have some scripture on the incarnation. That Incarnation. I'm sorry. Fancy word. When Jude and I were having this conversation the other day, he says, Dad, why you got to use the fancy word for us? He says, because I can use a really long sentence or one word. So let me give you the long sentence. That Jesus, the Son of God, took on human form as a physical body, thus he was tired and weary, completely God, completely human. Everything that human is, he is, except for the sin nature. Came and lived a perfect life, sinless life. If he sinned, the cross meant nothing. A perfect, sinless life. Never sinned. Never lied to his mama about whether he ate that cookie or not. Okay? Never sinned. Your place, you deserve the cross, death. Why death? For all I did was, yeah, yeah, but when you sinned, you offended the eternal, infinite God who is life, so therefore the punishment for it is death. He took that death on your behalf. Substitutionary atonement, fancy theological words, I know, but it's shorter. He took your punishment on the cross, but the grave could not hold him. Why? Because I didn't skip the part where he lived the perfect life. Because sin, the wages of sin is death since he did not sin. The grave could not hold him. He ascended to the Father, sat down at the right hand of God to be an intercessor and say, yeah, yeah, that one right there, God. Yeah, 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 I accomplished your will for him. Yeah, yeah, that guy, uh, that lady, uh, her name's in your book. Okay? So when the wrath of God comes that we're not appointed to, it's the work of Christ that does that and the Holy Spirit at work in us. Romans 1 and 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Not my testimony. Not my church. I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is, it, the gospel is, the power of God for salvation to everyone that believes. How do I know who believes? Because their name's in the book. The seed's been planted. The, plow, the soil's been plowed. The watering's been happening. Somebody's been doing the weeds. Those people. It is the gospel that brings salvation, not social engineering, not your testimony, not a better life, not an empty void in their heart that, you know, I got somebody can fill that. that, that, that that's not in the gospel. 
It is the gospel we've got to be willing to set down at the well when we're weary and tired, even in body and mind. So you sit down at that restaurant, you just want to be left alone, drink your coffee and eat your eggs. But I'm telling you, there's somebody coming around who's going to bring you that coffee and bring you that eggs. Test. Lay, lay something out there and see if this is the, this is the door, this is the opportunity. Because if it is, she'll run in the kitchen and tell folks. See, that, that's the other part of this. Not only was Christ himself energized, but this woman who was defeated in her life, she's walking out in the middle of the day to get a water. All of a sudden, she runs back into town, is willing to tell everybody what she did. Hey, this guy told me everything, and you know, when I, and, and this, and, and come see. And many believed from that town. Because Jesus says, wait a minute, this is an opportunity to do the will of him who sent me. And you're no different. You weren't put on this planet to fill space. You weren't put on this planet so God could put another check mark. Oh, there's another believer. No, no, no. Number one reason you're put on the planet to give glory to God through expansion of his kingdom and leading people to Jesus Christ. Not to you, not to a church, not to a denomination, not to a worldview, not to a political party, but to Jesus Christ. Okay? You're supposed to do the will of the one who sent you here. Even when you're tired and weary, and falling asleep in church. No, no, I don't see anybody doing that right now, but you got my point. Let's stand. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for Christ as the utmost example of preaching the gospel. He is the gospel. God, help us to learn the gospel, to practice and learn how to share it, how to test the waters, or to test the person, to see where their soil is. God, and I pray, according to your word, I pray for laborers. You commanded us to do so, so I do so now. I ask you, God, for laborers who are willing to share the gospel, even when they're tired and thirsty from a 40-mile walk. God, I thank you that you are the God who saves whether it's a woman at a well or an intoxicated man in a bar or someone waking up right now in a hotel room or in a bedroom with someone they didn't know yesterday, you still save. To you be all the glory. Amen. This is Pastor Randy Reams, and I want to thank you for joining us today for Truths from God's Unchanging Word. This broadcast is a ministry outreach of Kindred Bible Church in Nampa, Idaho. And if you'd like to hear this message in its entirety or other messages, just visit kindredbible.org forward slash media. And there you can also subscribe to the podcast. If you're being ministered to by this broadcast, I'd like to ask you to consider financially supporting this ministry. Giving is easy. Just go to kindredbible.org forward slash give. There you can make a one-time gift or you can choose to become a monthly supporter. But if you prefer, you can send your gift to KBC, P.O. Box 32, Nampa, Idaho 83653. Your prayers, words of encouragement, and financial support helps ensure that this broadcast will continue to be heard in your region and around the world. 
Again, I'd like to thank you for listening to Truths from God's Unchanging Word.